Okay, good evening, everybody. Special uh, welcome back, first off, to the Abrahams. We were together in Detroit, and now we're back together in Boca. I got off the plane with Aaron, and it was probably 40 degrees, right? not that bad. And I was telling him, I love this weather. Crisp, fresh air, you walk outside, you just feel invigorated. And then three minutes later, okay, ready to go back home. <laughs> And a special welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Kaiser. Nice to have you back with us. Welcome. Topic this evening is the trauma of friendship. We have to show everyone who's not here the cover page. It was a great find from Michal. Trauma of friendship. We all need to have friends. Friends are not just limited to people we happen to work with or daven with, but friendship is something we try to cultivate even within a family. One of the brachos that we give the chas and the kala is that not only should they have ava, they should have love, but they should also have reus. Just because I love you, and just because I may like you, it doesn't mean by definition we have a friendship. Friendship is something that has to be developed, we have to work on it, and I'd like to spend a little bit of time this evening trying to get back to the shorish, trying to understand the root of what is reus, what is friendship, how can we have more of it, how can we ourselves become better friends to others, and how can we maintain strong and lasting relationships. If you had to vote on the strangest item in the Mishkan, what would it be? Aaron. <laughs> Mr. Brenner, strangest item in the Mishkan. Strangest uh, Yes. By a show of hands, who would agree with Mr. Brenner? <laughs> All over the Torah, it says, don't make any images. We're very against any image of a malach, of an angel, or anything that resembles the divine, yet in the holiest place on earth, in the Kodesh Kedoshim, the Holy of Holies, on top of the Aaron covering the Ark of the Covenant, were commanded to make kruvim, these angelic figures. Pasuk tells us, You're going to make one of these kruvim on one side, one on the other, coming out of the kaporis, coming out of the cover itself. And their wings will be going up, covering the kaporis. And their face will be towards each other. El HaKaporis, to the covering, Iu Pnei will be the faces of the Kruvim. So there are two different indications here. Are they facing towards each other, Ish El Achiv, or are they looking down at the Aron, at the Ark itself? There's a whole discussion in the Gemara, debating this, uh, this particular issue. But let's take a quick look here at the Kliyakar. The Kliyakar says part of the symbolism, and obviously we're not going to get to the, the underlying depths of the Kruvim, but part of the Rem is here is that their wings are up in the air, 
as an expression of reaching higher towards Hashem. That's the Bein Adam Lamakom, the relationship between the human being and the divine, and the Kaddish Baruch Hu. And Latzeis Yedei Habrios, and in order to be focusing on each other, the interpersonal relationship, Hayu Penehim Ishel Achiv, they're looking at each other. Hamora Gamel Ashalom Hanitein Torah, and the message here is that people who love Torah love each other. He says, really, they were looking both at each other and at the Kaporis, at the Ark itself. I'm looking at you because I love you. But then he explains the reason why they're also looking down towards the tablets is shekol magmas penehem el haTorah. It's showing us that their whole goal, their whole ambition in life, is to come closer to Hashem through the guidelines of the Torah. And explains the Kliyaka right here, we have the main ingredient for a real friendship. How is my love for you and your love for me going to get stronger and flourish and develop in a proper, healthy way? If Torah is the centerpiece if we share the same values, we share the same goals, we're working together, we're partners, either you're my spouse, you're my brother, you're my father, you're my child, but we're looking towards the Kippurus, we have that goal of coming closer to a Kaddish Baruch Hu through the Torah, but we're also looking at each other, that will intensify the love that I have for you and the feelings that you have for me. That's what the Kliyakar says. Now it's interesting, the Baal HaTurim seems to be coming out of left field. In his classic approach, he just has one line. He says that when the Torah tells us the Kruvim are looking at each other, it's Kemoshnei Chaverim Shenosim Venosnin Bedivrei Torah. Just like two friends who are debating Torah. They're going back and forth in the Torah discussion. It's a nice analogy. And when you're learning in yeshiva all day, you might think of that when you look at the Kruvim. But how did the Baal HaTurim know that the message here is not just an ava, an achva, love and a friendship? Like the Kliyakar said, it's between man and God with the wings in the air, and between man and man as we look at each other. But there's more of a direct allusion to people who are engaged in Torah study together. Where does that come from? So if we go back a few partios, we have the brothers telling their father Yaakov Avinu, we need to bring Binyamin down to Mitzrayim to prove that he's our brother, and that way we'll be able to get food. Otherwise, we're going to starve to death. And Yaakov is so hesitant, he's so nervous, he assumes that he's already lost Yosef, and he doesn't want to lose Binyamin. And the phrase is, he was so attached to Binyamin, it was nafsho kishura benafsho, that his soul was tied together with the soul of Binyamin. Says the Baal HaTurim on that Pasuk, Kashura Begematria Torah. The numeric value of Kashura tied together is Torah. Shalomad Mipiv Torah. He's explaining, how did they have that awesome connection? How did father and son have that bond that was so unbreakable? 
because they learn Torah together. So when the Kliyakar, rather the Balaturim, is looking at the symbolism of the Kruvim, and he sees that their faces are, are Penehim Ish El Achiv, they're facing towards each other, and there is this message of love and friendship, obviously they're engaged in Torah. It doesn't only mean they're learning Talmud together. We're going to see in a moment that one face was Zachar, one was Nekeva, one face was a little boy's face and one face was a little girl's face. So obviously they're not learning Talmud, but the message is the relationship, the vitality of this connection is only by having Torah learning and Torah living as our anchor. When we share that common value, we have these goals, we're working together, then the Ava, then the love is real. <clears throat> the Gemara in Yuma tells us that when the Jews would come three times a year, Pesach, Sukkot, and Shavuos, the Kohanim would show them a glimpse into the Kodesh Kedoshim, into the holiest place on earth. They would roll back the curtains, and they would show them the Kruvim, right? These golden statues on top of the ark. And what were these two Kruvim doing? They were hugging each other. They were embracing. It's kind of like the Mona Lisa, right? Depending on where you're standing, it might be looking at you. These Kruvim were somehow supernatural. And they moved around. And their positioning, we see from the Gemara, was actually based on the status or the level of the Jewish people. But when the Jews would come three times a year to celebrate Yantif, the Kohanim would pull back the curtain, the Paroches, and they would see the Kruvim embracing. What would they tell the Jewish people? What was the point of showing them inside the Kodesh Kedoshim? They would proclaim, Re'u chiboschem lifnei hamakom. Look at your love. Look at how much a Kodesh Baruch who loves you and desires you. It's just like that awesome, powerful love between husband and wife. That was the message the Kohanim were sharing with Klal Yisrael. Look at the Kruvim, it's like Shir Hashirim. It's that romantic relationship that Klal Yisrael, that we have with the Kadosh Baruch Hu. That's how Hashem feels towards us, like the embrace of husband and wife. However, tragically, Resh Lakish tells us a little bit later on in the Gemara that during the destruction of the Bayasheni of the Second Temple, when the Romans were coming in and destroying all of the vessels, it says that they, uh, they took out the Aaron with the Kaporis, the cover and the Kruvim, and they saw, lo and behold, one was the face of a male, one was the face of a female, and they were hugging each other. What did the Romans say when they saw this? This is the first time they ever had exposure to what does the Ark look like? Right? This was the scene in Indiana Jones where they finally found it before they all died. What does it actually look like? The angels are hugging each other. So what did they say? They say, Yisrael halalu sheberchasen bracha v'klilasen kalala. The Jewish people, they're able to give blessings, they're able to give curses. They have this close connection with the creator of the world. Yasku b'devarim halalu? And this is the kind of thing they're interested in? This is being housed in the holiest place on earth? 
people hugging each other? Umiyad, he zilum, and right away they debased it and they destroyed it. They made fun of the Jewish people for having something like this viewed as holy. This is not holy. This is husband and wife expressing love in a physical way. Why is this in the Kodesh Kedoshim? So it happens to be a good question. Why was that in the Kodesh Kedoshim? Obviously we believe in the, the sanctity of marriage and the love between husband and wife, but that's something that, that should be private. To have this representing Klal Yisrael and Hashem and show this to the Jewish people three times a year, it's kind of a strange thing. So in order to understand friendship and to maybe develop a little bit of an appreciation as to how we can enhance the connections we have with the people we love, I want to understand the idea of evil. What's the connection between friendship and evil? And if we're traumatized by a friendship, that shouldn't take long for us to associate. But what's the Kesher between being a friend and the notion of Ra? Right, the words themselves are very similar. How do you say friend in Hebrew? Reya. Reish ayin. With a tzeri under the reish. Reya. Reus is friendship, right? How do you say Ra in Hebrew? Ra. <laughs> I just said it, right? <laughs> That's what evil means. Reish ayin. The exact same word. The exact same shorish. What in the world does friendship have to do with evil? So what is the Yetzir Haro? We speak about the evil inclination. What is the evil inclination? Is it a force of impurity in the universe that's somehow pulling us and, and attracting us to do evil? Or is it more of a, a physical phenomenon? It's uh, the animalistic aspect of who I am driving me towards Gashmias, pulling me towards the, uh, the physicality. What's the Yetzirah? What do you say? Is it a spiritual force? Or is it just the fact that I'm partly animal and the animal aspect of who I am pulls me in different directions? And the intellect or the spiritual aspect of who I am will hopefully pull me in a better direction. What's the definition of the Yetzirah? So Rabbi Yisrael Salanter in his famous letter, the Egeris HaMoser, he says they're both correct. If you've looked all throughout the sources, the Rishonim and others, you'll find both definitions of the Yetzirah. You'll find the force of impurity, the Koach HaTumah, but you'll also find this idea of the Nefesh HaBahamis, the physical, animalistic soul that we have, that's pulling us towards what he refers to as Orev Lishaito, what looks good right here and now? And his example is probably the exact same example we would give if I'm trying to watch what I'm eating, but there's a delicious seven-layer cake. When I got to Detroit, everyone was asking me, have you tried the seven-layer cake? So I said, have I tried the seven-layer cake? I'm living in the house of the seven-layer cake. Every meal they're serving the seven-layer cake. <laughs> But it's right there in front of me, it's delicious, it's frozen, supposedly when it's frozen it's even better. I was not Zoha to try it in the frozen state. 
So what happens? My Yetzirah, my animalistic inclination is Lachtov le'echol es orev If it tastes good, eat it. And the Yetzir HaTov, the intellect, is yelling at me, no, don't do it, you're going to regret it. You know how you feel after you failed these tests before. And usually the response is, yes, thank you very much. Borei minei mizonos. I get a bracha on Shabbos, I have to have a hundred brachas, and I get to make a mizonos and alamichia. So we start rationalizing why really having the seven-layer cake is a vodas Hashem on the highest level. But let's take that second definition of Yetzirah. It's the body, it's the guf, it's the nefesh ha-Bahamas. Is that evil? Is good old-fashioned base taiva, desire, visceral desire, is that evil? No, it depends how it's used. We have many mitzvos where the commandment is utilize the taiva oneg Shabbos to enjoy Shabbos. You should be eating food that tastes good. So taiva in and of itself is not bad. And therefore, for many years, I was bothered by this question. According to this definition of the yetzer hara, why is it called the yetzer hara? Why is it the evil inclination? It's not really innately, intrinsically bad. It's just the nefesh ha-Bahamis. It's my animal instinct. It's not bad. You appreciate that question? Why is it called Yetzirah? Furthermore, when analyzing the, the Yetzirah, we have... Uh, a very cryptic discussion in the Gemara and Sanhedrin between Antinonis and the Rebbe Yehuda Hanasi. The question was posed to Yehuda Hanasi, when does the Yetzirah begin to really take over and control the person? Right? There are two options. Is it Mishas Yetzirah from the time of conception? Maybe it means 40 days after conception, but pretty much from the very beginning of the little embryo? Oh, Mishas Yetziah, or is the time where the baby leaves its mother's womb and comes into the world? When does the Yetzirah take over? So Rebbe first says back, I would assume Shas Yetzirah. I would think from the very beginning, the inception. Antonida says back to Rebbe, one second, if that was the case, so then what would happen? Then this kid, the little baby, would just kick his mother and leave. Get me out of here. So they both came to the conclusion, it must be that the Yetzirah is not sholate. It doesn't take over until Shas Yetziah, from the time the baby leaves its mother's womb. If you're going to tell me that the Yetzirah is just the physical desires that a human being has, the animalistic attraction that we have to, to Gashmias. How can there be a possibility to say that starts in utero? That starts from the time of conception inside of the womb? Everything is good. Right? This is a question that was, that was uh, posed by the Taurus of Ram. Rav Ram Grzinski, the great Mashgiach from Slobodka, 
He says, this Gemara is so incredibly strange. How can you have a Yetzirah when you're floating there in some kind of different dimension? You have everything that you need. You don't know what a candy bar tastes like. Even once a baby is born, right? We tried so hard with our youngest not to feed her any sugar. And when it's your first child, you keep that up for like the first six or seven years of his or her life. And by the time Emir Tashem, you know, Kanayna it's number six, if you get like through six months without giving uh, something very sugary, you've already been matzliach. <laughs> but how do you say that a little tiny baby inside of its mother has a Yetzirah? So why is it called Ra if it's just natural and visceral? And how is it possible to exist in utero? And I want to end with one last question, and hopefully this uh, conversation of evil and Yetzirah will bring us back to a deeper appreciation of friendship. The Gemara we had in Brachos and Daf Yod Zayin compares the Yetzirah to the Saor Shebe'isa, which means the yeast in the dough. Why in the world is the Yetzirah compared to yeast in dough? Is yeast a bad thing? Uh, not really, right? On Pesach we try to avoid it. But generally speaking, yeast is a very good thing. And you could take flour and water and make it delicious challah by adding yeast to it. Why is the Yetzirah called Se'or Shabi'isa? What is that analogy? So I think the best way to have a a deeper grasp of what Ra is, to understand evil, we should ask the question of what's the opposite? What's the opposite of Ra? Seven layer cake. What's the opposite of Ra? It's Tov, right? So what does good mean? Right? Are you a good boy? Right? You're listening so nicely. What does it mean to be good? The Mesil Sisharim tells us that shleimus, which means wholesomeness, shalem is harmony, right, unity. Shleimus hamiti, the ultimate wholeness in life is through connecting with Hashem, and he says this is tov. This is the definition of good. Good is shleimus being whole. We find this concept in Rashi as well. Right? True or false? Every day of the six days of creation, God looked at what He made and said, Vayitov. This is good. It's false. What day did He leave out that phrase, commenting on the creation that it was good? Day number two. Why didn't He say it was good on day number two? So Rashi explains, because it wasn't finished. Day number two, the Shemayim and the Mayim, that particular job of separating the heavens from the water that was not fully complete until, until day number three, and that's why in day number three, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says it was good two times, because there were two things that were completed. So we see from the Ramchal and we see from Rashi that the opposite of evil is good, but what good really means is shleimus. It's whole. It's together. 
So if shleimus is good, what is evil? Evil means it's not altogether. Evil means it's broken. It's loose. How do you say loose in Hebrew? Ra'ua, resh, ayin, vav, ayin. Ra'ua means loose. How do you say friendship in Hebrew besides reus? You could also say the word trua. We have a pasuk in Balak where this is part of the prophecy of Bilam. Bilam says that Hashem Elokavimo, Hashem their God is with the Jewish people, Usruas Melichbo, and the friendship. Rashi explains that word, Chiba Vereus, the friendship and the love, the trua, exists between God and Klal Yisrael. Where else do we find trua? Right, that was a giveaway. What kind of sound is trua? It's a broken sound. It's either the classic trua or it's shvarim. Shvarim means broken. All we really know from the most authentic tradition is that trua is different than tekiah. Tekiah is a long, straight sound of shleimus. Trua is a broken sound. So the opposite of good is not really evil because good doesn't really mean good. It means something much deeper. Good means whole and ra means broken. You could say there's a void of shleimus. That's ra. And that's the expression the Ramchal uses all throughout his svarim. He speaks about the chisoron, a lacking of the divine light. That's ra. We're getting pretty deep this evening, right? How does this get back to friendship? <clears throat> so the Taurus of Ram explains, how in the world can there be a Yetzirah in utero? How does that work? What does that mean? The child never tasted candy before. What does he want? Let's read this together, source number 15. Every time we read any section from the Taurus of Rab, it's always inspiring to see the date in which the particular essay was written. And you'll find it's 1939, 1940, 1941. He wrote these things living in the Kovna Ghetto. And the astounding thing about someone of this stature is that even though he was living through Gehenna, and he very well knew that he might not walk out of there alive, and indeed he did not. Every single day, his mind was preoccupied with Torah and Chachma, wisdom and Musr. So here he's writing about this Gemara in Sanhedrin, explaining how in the world can you have a Yetzirah in utero? So he says, from this Gemara, we see the Mahus, the essence of what the Yetzirah is. What is the Yetzirah? This is double underlined. Freedom, breaking free from limitation, breaking out of constriction, liberation from being trapped. That is the essence of the Yetzirah. He says, therefore, you have a little tiny baby inside of his mother. He doesn't know anything. 
he can't have any real taiva, any real, any real desire for any particular type of food. And he doesn't even know what's outside of his mother. He knows absolutely nothing. Nonetheless, there's this natural, instinctual push. Boate ba. He's kicking. Whenever the baby's kicking, you can no longer say, that's so cute, I feel him kicking. The response now should be, that's the Yetzirah. That's disgusting. Chas v'shalom. It's still a beautiful, beautiful thing, but says the Torah of Ram, the kicking itself is an expression of the Yetzirah. It's just, get me out of here. I want hefker. I don't want to be confined. I don't want to be held down. That is the very, very root of the Yetzer Hara. That's why, explains the Marsha, why is the Yetzer Hara called Seor Shebe'isa? It's the leavening, it's the yeast in the dough. So what does yeast actually do? Take a look here at number 17. How does yeast make bread rise? As bread dough is mixed and kneaded, millions of air bubbles are trapped and dispersed throughout the dough. Meanwhile, the yeast in the dough metabolizes the starches and the sugars in the flour, turning them into alcohol and carbon dioxide gas. This gas inflates the network of air bubbles, causing the bread to rise. During rising, the yeast divides and multiplies, producing more carbon dioxide. As long as there is ample air and carbs in the dough, the yeast will multiply until its activity is stopped by the oven's heat. This, this dough will keep on rising and expanding. It reminds me of one of the children's books we have, of the dough going out of the door of the restaurant. That's the natural process of Seor Shabi'isa. It keeps on expanding outside of its prior limitations. It's only the fire of the oven that keeps it in check. And it's an amazing thing to see because many of the commentators in this Gemara, they speak about the Eish HaTorah, right? The fire of Torah. Barasi Yetzirah, Kadosh Baruch says, I've created the Yetzirah, but I've also created the Torah to be its remedy. That's the fire of Torah to keep the yeast at bay. But the reason why it's called Seor Shabbat is because that's exactly what the Yetzirah is. It's get me out of here. I need to be free, I need to expand. But is freedom a bad thing? Right? We celebrate freedom every year during Pesach. We make a bracha every morning, Shalom Asani Evid. Thank you, Akadosh Baruch Hu, for not making me a slave. Right? We, 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 we view freedom as so incredibly precious. We cherish living in a, in a place where, Baruch Hashem, we have religious tolerance. We're able to, uh, to practice the way we feel like it. Is freedom a bad thing? Why is that called Yetzer Hara? So I think, and I want to suggest, that if the definition of Tov is Shleimus, the ultimate good, or in the Ramchal's expression, the only real good is wholesomeness, and real Ra, evil, is a breakdown of that, a chisaron, a void, or lacking, so when we say Yetzirahara, to translate that as the evil inclination is, is accurate, 
but there's something beneath the surface. Yetzirah is the inclination of breaking down barriers. It's ra'uwa. It's loosening. It's fighting. It's trying to break free from prior limitations. That's not naturally evil. That's called the Yetzer Hara because it's breaking from where it was before. That's the Yetzer Hara. We could be breaking free and we daven to break free. We say, Hotsiya mi mazkir nafshi, please release me from my chains to be able to really praise you and sing to you and connect with you. Every Shmona Esrei, in the very beginning, we say, Hashem's fasai tiftach, tilesecha, open my lips. And according to some of the commentators, what we're really asking is, open my boundaries, like svas hayom. Open my barriers. Break, allow me to break through the mechitzas that are holding me back to be able to really bond with you. So breaking free can either be the most beautiful thing in the world, getting rid or transcending the physical and becoming more spiritual. And breaking free can also be the most animalistic thing in the world. Breaking free from morality, from discipline, from any code of ethics. Breaking free can go in any direction. Yetzer HaTov means when the Tov, the intellect, the Shlemus, is channeling the force of breaking free towards godliness, towards wholesomeness. That's Yetzer HaTov. It's the same breaking out of whatever it was I, w- I was trapped in before, but what is my direction? Yetzer HaRa is, I'm breaking free, and I'm just breaking down. It's Hefker. It's ownerless. I want nothing. I want no discipline. I want no morality. That's Yetzer HaRa. Friendship is not Ra, but it's Reya. In order to really be a friend. We have to be open with each other. There has to be a looseness. There has to be an ability to be vulnerable. We have to break down the machitzos, any kind of barrier between me and you. That's why friendship or a marriage or any other relationship can be such a source of trauma. Because I'm so open with you, and because I'm revealing so much of myself to you, and vice versa, I'm that much more raw. Anything you say, or even the way that I think you're viewing me, can be devastating because we have this ra'uwa, we have this looseness, we've, we've broken through some of the formality, we've broken through some of the restraints. On the other hand, friendship can be, and it is, the most useful, necessary thing in the world for our own sanity and productivity. When we're able to let our guard down and really be able to relate to somebody and share our lives and share who we are and reveal our our concerns and our anxieties. So then we're actually connecting, we're creating a chibur. I'm your chaver, I'm your friend. But the way to get there is by breaking down mechitzos. So this, I I believe, could be at least part of the connection. I'm sure there's a lot more to digest over here. But this could be part of the connection between Ra, what's evil, and Rea, friendship. 
it all gets back down to breaking away certain mechitzos. The, uh, the mantra nowadays is, and this is one of many, uh, many things that could be said, listen, I have a hard time trusting people, I have a hard time opening up with people, because the way I was brought up, you know, the way my parents uh, raised me, and the way they interacted with me, I never learned these things as a child. I don't have the ability to be vulnerable. What's the Simon and Garfunkel song? I'm a rock. I'm an island. Right? Can't feel any pain. I could live in a very convenient state of isolation and seclusion psychologically, where if I'm never being mechuber, I'm never connecting myself with you, I'm never opening myself up to that danger of disappointment or rejection. So what can I do? I wasn't brought up this way. Listen to the words of Rav Isaac Sher. Rav Isaac Sher was the great Rosh Hashiva of Slobodka and Eretz Yisrael. He says that when we're raising our families, one of the key ingredients to try to create a healthy Torah environment is to help our children and ourselves develop the Midah of Ava, the character trait of love. And he explains how we do that. He says, we start at a very young age when the children are small and we show them that by the way we speak to them and by the way we speak to each other in front of them. This is what it means to relate to a human being. This is what it means to really care for somebody. And they see the, the relationship between the father and mother. And they see the way the father speaks about the mother and the respect that he gives her. And they see the way the mother always is concerned and cares about the father. And then that love can expand to their siblings. They don't have that same awe and reverence of their siblings. And oftentimes there's fighting and there's quarreling and there's jealousy. But says of Isaac Sher, when we create an environment of openness, when we break down the barriers between us, and we role model for them what it means to really be there for each other, to be open, to apologize when I make a mistake, to be real, to be sensitive. Every day we're showering them with love and we're teaching them how to live with love. He says this is one of the most fundamental ingredients we need in the healthy Jewish diet. How to be a mensch, how to be an Eved Hashem, the symbolism of the Kruvim is, although our wings are up in the air and we're always striving to become closer to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, I'm always looking at you. We're looking at each other. There's a love there. And it's a love that has the Torah at the center. We're working together. We're striving for the same values and the same goals. Then he writes, the double underlined, not only are we training them and teaching them to love each other and to love mom and dad and to love their siblings and to love their friends, but we're also trying to role model for them the need to love love. That sounds very liberal, <laughs> right? But says of Isaac Sher, is not just to love people, but to love the Midah to have a respect for the quality, the character trait. When I love you, it's not just because there's something about you that's attracting me towards you. 
Love is something that's within me. There are some people, unfortunately, who are almost incapable of loving. Loving is one of the midos hanefesh. It's one of the qualities within the person that I am. And then he says an amazing thing. Ubefrat harabim. Nowadays, not everyone is Zoha, not everyone has the merit to be brought up in that kind of family, in that kind of community. Not everyone has that, that schos of having the Rebbe who was always talking positively towards me and building me up. Great question. We might not have had that experience. Im Kain, Vadai Mishalo Lomdu Ovivorabo. If my Rebbe or my father didn't teach me these ways of living and these ways of interacting through a Ra, through a Reyes, through an openness and creating real friendship and breaking down barriers, then then I cannot say, this is not who I am. I don't feel comfortable patting my son on the back because I wasn't raised in that kind of family. Says Rabbi Isaac Sher, You have to teach yourself to be that kind of person. Don't blame your Rebbe. Don't blame your, your parents. It's my achrayas. It's my responsibility. I have to create an ava within me. I have to be a person who loves you and who loves love. That's the mandate of being a Jew. I have to train myself to run, to pursue that kind of lifestyle, that kind of personality. So often, we have very difficult times in our childhood. If it's when we were little, if it's adolescence, a little bit older, our teenage years, in high school, whatever it was, there's no need to give excuses for what took place, and it could very well be what took place from a parent, from a Rebbe, from a Mora, was totally disgusting and, and should never have happened. He should have never spoken to me that way. You're right, 100%. But that doesn't allow me to remain bitter my entire life. That doesn't allow me to remain closed my entire life. The mitzvah of Ava is I have to break out of myself and I have to allow myself to be open enough to connect with you. To create an Ava and a Reus and a friendship. He concludes his piece by saying, in our society nowadays, we have a timtum halev. People's hearts are closed. People are not very expressive in their love. And sometimes it might be viewed as uncool. It's not the in thing. I can't show emotion. I can't cry. Remember, one of the most life-changing experiences that I had, I was probably 19 years old at the time. I was learning in the yeshiva. And one of the older Bachrim, he was probably 23, so we're having a conversation, and he was sharing something about his family and one of his siblings that was going through something. And as he was sharing it with me, he began to cry. And my first reaction, being 18, 19, I felt a little bit awkward. But then it dawned on me, this is a Gavra Rabbah. This is an elevated human being. 
someone who could be so open with somebody younger to the point where I'm getting emotional. I don't have to apologize for it. It's okay to have a reyes, to have an openness, to have a friendship. Rav Kook, Zecher Tzadik, Kaddish Levracha, we're going to conclude with this. This is source number 18. Rav Kook writes in the Oros, Emunah is faith and Ava is love. That is life in this world and the next world. He says, without Ava and without Emunah, we're lacking the fundamentals of Chiyus. It's like you're lacking oxygen. There's no way to really survive spiritually or emotionally. And writes Rev Cook, he passed away in 1935. This is going back probably more than 100 years. Hatarbut hazmanit, the culture presently, as to what is normal and accepted in the world, it's built upon kafira, on rejecting God, rejecting purpose, rejecting religion, and it's built upon hatred, meaning a lack of love, a lack of unity, a breaking down of that wholesomeness. And he says famously, there's no way to somehow overpower this illness. The only way to combat the tarbut hazmanit, the culture of the time, is by breaking open, right? You picture the dam that's holding back all of that water. By blowing up the dam and allowing that water, the, the, the floodgates to open of Amuna and Ava. You have to have reyes, you have to have an openness to really have Ava and to really have Amuna. Those things are actually very connected. So why did we have, or why did a Baruch Hu orchestrate the Kruvim? They were hugging each other to the point when the Romans took out the Aaron and the Kaporis, they were making fun of Klal Yisrael. The answer is because when you see that image of the Kruvim embracing, you're seeing an openness. But what kind of openness are you looking at? When you're looking at it through the perception of the Romans, living in a warped and unethical society, an immoral lifestyle. So you see pritzos, you see an openness in a way that does not represent sanctity and kedusha. But obviously through the lens of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and through the, the eyes of the Jewish people, that is the most sanctified thing in the world. Because it's an openness, but it's a Yetzir HaTov openness. It's channeling the breaking down of barriers only through Kedusha and real love and real connection. The same thing they would make fun of, we would view as the highest level of Kedusha. The Chazonish used to say, what the world calls love, we call Kores. Which basically means, we have different definitions of what's love, what's real. What's a real connection? We should be zocha through the breaking down of barriers, not only to be able to to release ourselves from our own chains and things holding us down, but to be able to create or to enhance real friendships through vulnerability, through openness, and through an ava rabba, like the Rebbe says, this is really the tafkid, this is the goal of our time.
Einen guten Abend.